0: Enrique Alvarez is the co-founder and managing director of Vector Global Logistics, a certified minority-owned supply chain and logistics company dedicated to world-class service and social impact. His company's success is built on results-based, positive workplace culture and philanthropic mindsets that has had a growing impact on the supply chain process. Welcome, Enrique.
1: Debbie, thank you very much for having me here. I'm excited and happy to be here with you. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you. I'm so excited to learn more about what you're doing and how it impacts our world. So I got to ask the logical question. No pun intended. Why logistics?
1: Well, that's actually a very good question. My background is not necessarily in logistics. I'm a mechanical engineer by trade. I came to the U.S. and study business school. So I have an MBA and then did strategy consulting with the Boston Consulting Group. So the reason why we got into logistics is because I wanted to do something on my own, something, have my own company. Me and my business partner were looking into different options. We found logistics to be amazing, very exciting very dynamic, very fast paced. And so caught our attention. Then once we started looking into maybe putting a logistics company together, we looked into the industry and and, and it was 2008, late 2008. A lot of companies were going under back then because of the economy. uh, There were a lot of mom and pop shops that claimed to do logistics. And we thought that it could be a very exciting industry to be part of because of the culture, the culture that we saw, right? So a lot of things happened from nine to five with one hour time. So we came in and said, we can change the culture. I think we can actually do better and we can actually set up the company in such a way that's more meaningful and more purpose-driven. We started because we thought it was the perfect place for us to change the world since everything has a logistics component to it.
0: And one of the things a lot of people don't realize is what are the logistics behind logistics?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it really depends because logistics, as you know, has a lot of different components and you can have all sorts of logistics outfits and it covers a lot. It covers warehousing, it covers packaging, it covers trucking, air freight, ocean freight. So depending on what kind of company you are, I guess the answer will be slightly different. But, but in terms of like the logistics for vector global logistics are really all about people and and finding good people. For me, that's the most important part and the key ingredient in what we do. There has to be good agents around the world. There has to be good technology. There has to be good contacts and contracts with the suppliers that you're using to provide the logistical services. But at the end of the day, for me, and the main competitive advantage we have is, is our team, amazing people
0: what kinds of products do you ship
1: well we have presence in different countries we have an office here in the us a headquarter in atlanta georgia we have mexico we have two offices there two in chile we also have presence in vietnam malaysia and and china so on top of that we have more than 150 agents depending on the office each office has a slightly different mix when it comes to the products and the clients that we service but in general we we are very strong in the automotive industry we're very strong in aerospace. We're very strong in anything that has to do with expedited or cargo, anything that has to do with project cargo, anything that has a high degree of complexity or it's being shipped to complex regions of the world. And also anything, any purpose-driven organization that ship products and non-for-profits and they're shipping products to help other people in the world.
0: So there are unique requirements if you are shipping perishables. Do you do perishables? We do. How does that work?
1: Well, in terms of like the way the flow happens, it's very similar because you have, you need a container, depending on whether you're flying products, because some perishables have to be flown so you need a, a, an airplane as opposed to a, an ocean vessel I, and if that's the case of course they are all packaged inside the belly of an aircraft and then flown from wherever they're originating i mean for example salmon from chile or a bunch of other products from asia and they're flown into the us or or wherever the final destination is. in terms of the ocean you have special containers that have refrigerated unit units so they keep the temperature at a certain level and, and you have to be very careful and monitor and make sure that the temperature never changes. There's different, I guess, different ways of measuring the temperature inside a container once they're in transit. But but they're very particular and they're very interesting shipments because they have to happen flawlessly because, of course, if you have some mm. kind of demurrage or, or congestion or, or delays, what well, you're dealing with products that are going to be, that are going to be for for human consumption.
0: How does, how has digital technology changed this industry? And is everyone up to date on it, on their IT? And if not, how does that impact their ability to connect with carriers?
1: Technology is a very big component of supply chains now. And I think after the two years that we all experienced, all the challenges that came from the pandemic, a lot more companies thought that IT was needed and supply chain, having a strong, robust supply chain was key to their company's success. So technology can be applied at different parts of the supply chain from tracking and tracing, which is very important to the inventory management software, to the interconnectivity between suppliers and the end users. So how do you forecast demand more effectively? How do you predict changes or or patterns in demand and, and also sometimes supply of certain products? And so it has changed a lot. Technology, as in any other industry I would venture has really changed the way we think about business, and and in logistics is very very special and, and definitely needed. There's a lot of investment right now after the pandemic to upgrade and and continue to, to foster innovation and creativity when it comes to technology.
0: We're hearing a lot about cybersecurity and how vulnerable our supply chain chain companies. It's an expense that you have to keep upgrading your IT all the time. But if you don't do it, you're really putting everything at risk, aren't you?
1: Absolutely. Especially because you're handling all those very confidential documents from clients, like the packing list and commercial invoices and things like that, that are certainly very very valuable so the way you treat documents and the kind of software that you have kind of speaks very highly to the Uh, kind of logistics company that you are and the potential that you can have as a a good logistics provider absolutely you've
0: got one link in the chain can kind of mess up the entire process right
1: (laughs) absolutely and i guess making the analogy to sports it's just like you're as strong as the weakest link right you can have an amazing team but if you're quarterback is terrible. It's just one person, but at the end of the day, can derail the whole season. So it's very similar to that. I think that uh, the pandemic has allowed us to see logistics in a different way. I think a lot more people are more aware of what logistics is all about before, and speaking for myself, before I jumped into this industry, you went to, uh, to your store and you pick up like a cereal box or uh, anything, a jar of jam or whatever. And you don't really think about where that product is coming from, who packaged it. How long does it take to actually be delivered to the shelf? And But now people are a little bit more aware because of the pandemic. And I think that that has given logistics a lot more exposure. And, and I think that's definitely a, a good thing.
0: Yeah, that's kind of fascinating, isn't it? Because you're right, right before the pandemic, nobody really no thought about where their oranges came from. <laughs> well,
1: and I think it only took like not having toilet paper so that people started <laughs> to... <laughs> Wait a minute. It's not always going to be there. Wait, where are we manufacturing this again? Yeah. Why is it taking so long? Why don't I have the toilet paper that I like?
0: And why so, is yeah. everybody hoarding it?
1: <laughs> yes. So, uh, so of all the different challenges and hardships and sorrow that the pandemic brought to everyone, I think awareness into how important logistics is is a positive thing.
0: And getting back to that football analogy, I think <laughs> both of us are going to know what that lack of a quarterback is going to do to a team this coming season in Atlanta.
1: I know, Falcons (laughs) fans out there, good luck.
0: We pray for you.
1: (laughs) Debbie Debbie told me before the interview that she was praying for us already. So I Yeah, because I'm one of you. (laughs) Well, you always want to cheer for the rookie, right? And you never know. So it should be exciting. We'll see.
0: (laughs) So the term distribution seems to have morphed into this new chain supply chain management term or am i wrong or is that no two different things
1: no so uh, you're right before it was only distribution and i think that's why people didn't really consider it to be as important as it has always been so you're right and now it's more about okay distribution is a part of it but uh everything else is as important as the distribution piece right so the customs clearance the packaging the inventory management the Ocean shipping, the and 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 now we see port congestions and lack of trucking, comp- lack of truckers, lack of equipment, chassis shortages. So, so yeah, you're absolutely right. It has become a lot more than just distributing something from point A to point B.
0: It's almost kind of making it sound like a, a bigger. Well, it is a big industry. It is basically the industry that lets us have stuff. <laughs> Right. But, and it's always been there. But it you're but it's just so odd that just only in the last few years that it there's been a real importance played on it.
1: Absolutely, very very ungrateful industry as well in general, uh, right? Because it's like the keeping the sports analogies like the goalie in any sport, right? If they do their job right, no one really cheers for them. But if they make a mistake,
0: oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, it.
1: that's <laughs> it. We're gonna kill them, but.
0: Yeah, that's a good example of what that that's uh, supply chain people uh, feel about right? that,
1: right? If everything goes right, no one really notices what we do, and yeah. no one really cares.
0: Yeah, and, and so you mentioned in other interviews that non-vessel operations. Can you explain how how that works? And so does that mean you lease spot on carriers? And are there preferences of spots, or do you just have to take what they give you? and you know do this larger supply chains get better spots how does that work
1: yeah and, and so the term that you're referring to it's it's known as NVOCC, non-vessel operating common carriers and what that basically means which by the way is just only a term that's uh, used in the u.s so the rest of the world knows the industry as freight forwarders companies that don't have any assets but provide logistic services nvoccs in the u.s have the ability to sign contracts with the steamship lines. The steamship lines are the uh, the companies that own the vessels and some of the containers. They're the Maersks of the world, CMAs, MSC, Lloyd. You probably have heard at least one of them. And the way it works is they go through a yearly contract season. So you contract a certain amount of containers or, I guess, space with them. It doesn't have to be super specific. You just contract the amount of containers in certain lanes or port lanes. And then you're committed to really shipping as much as you say that you're going to ship with them. And in return, they give you a preferential rate that you can then mark up and sell to your customers, thus making the profit that you need to, to run the company and grow it. Now, larger MBOs, they have a lot more leverage in terms of the amount of containers that they're providing. So they, they, do, they can have better terms and conditions at, at a certain degree. Larger shippers also have direct contracts with the steamship lines, but not to make this super complicated, but it's a very relationship-driven industry. So companies like ours, despite the fact that we're not as large as other NBOs, can compete head-to-head with the largest multi-billion dollar companies out there because it's all really driven by the relationship you have and the relationship you build and the track record you have. So we work a lot in the automotive industry, as I mentioned before. Once you start kind of Proving yourself and your service to the market, then then the rates will follow because everyone wants to kind of start working with you. So
0: mm. That's a lot of project managing behind a lot. the scenes.
1: <laughs> a lot. It's, it's all about problem resolution, project management. And honestly, it's really about, and uh, I was talking to my business partner from Mexico yesterday, and so I'm just going to quote him, but he said something around like, we are the best at giving bad news. <laughs> that's kind of fairly and and that's it it's about everyone's going to make mistakes you can't guarantee a flawless operation with the market that we're seeing it's logistics there's going to be flat tires there's going to be congestion there's going to be drivers that wake up and are sick and there's going to be tons of tons of things that could happen to your container which i guess is why you have to be super thankful that there's toilet paper in the store <laughs> But but yeah, I think I think what Vector is all about is we're really really good at, at delivering and and bad news and 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 I think what really differentiates us is what happens after you make the mistake. Of course, try to prevent it as much as you can, but but it's an inevitable.
0: So tell us how Vector helps Ukraine and other countries in conflict zones, and what about dealing with those the lack of access to ports, piracy, I mean, threats on the cargo and life.
1: Yeah. Well, so the, the reason why we do what we do is because we wanted to change the world. The way we're doing this is really through three things. The first one is results-based mentality based on a, on a book called Why Work Sucks, which I would recommend to everyone. The second one is for every container we ship, we're donating to different causes. So in the U.S., for every container we move, we donate 50 meals to people in Africa. In Mexico, we have partnered with an organization called Canica, and, and they're helping children and families with cancer. And in Chile, we're helping children with special needs. On top of that, we're working with a lot of purpose-driven organizations that that really think of business and, and my saying, the impact to the community and to the world more than just trying to maximize their profits. By the way, in the longer term, if you do the right thing for the right reasons, you will, in turn, maximize profits. That is usually and always the the right strategy. But that's how we do it. Now, speaking in particular about the Ukraine, when the conflict started, we, we have really good agents and partners in the Ukraine. We have agents around the world. And it was just heartbreaking to see that in 2022, after such challenging years, Honestly, I don't know how else to put this, but like a stupid idiot dictator would come and do that and invade a free country. And so we were all internally very pissed about what happened. So we came together and started having this coordination meetings and we were back then more of a matchmaker. But we started basically bringing companies that want to donate products with companies that want to receive products in Poland for the million of refugees and then all around the region, including the Ukraine and Vector pitched in, and we're currently starting to, uh, we've been shipping a lot of containers for free. We still have an open invitation to anyone that wants to jump in and help out. And I'll also send you the link to that so that if anyone that's listening to us wants to help out, Vector will take care of the shipping either through us or by some of our partner organizations, the WCA in particular, which is an agent network, and, and we'll try to deliver those goods to people that really need them. Their okay. response has been amazing and there's so many organizations that have proactively joined and help out. That would be unfair to kind of call them out individually, but yeah, everyone wants to help. It's a, It's at least a really good sign and it's kind of inspiring, but.
0: It is. It is. So, so you mentioned in an interview about, you had a discussion about fuel and so I had a question about this why is the fuel that has the lower explosion temperatures considered non-compliant? Is it because it's environmentally unfriendly, but could there be exceptions made for this fuel when you do go into conflict zones?
1: So it's a, a really good question. I honestly don't know the answer to it. So I'm just gonna give you my opinion okay. based on the first reaction. <laughs> so a good question, I'm taking notes. Actually, here's pen, And I'm going to Google it and then get back to you. But uh, no, I think when it comes to a fuel standpoint, it's really about the cleanliness of the fuel. There is different regulations out there among steamship lines that have certain goals to minimize the CO2 emissions by a certain year. Uh, and so my guess is that's actually more linked to the second part of what you said, which is uh, sustainability, yeah. green initiatives not polluting the earth, then it is an explosion concern because honestly, I think from an engineering standpoint, I mean, engines have been around for, for many, many years now. And I think people are kind of very confident that the, that's not the largest risk.
0: Yeah. Ask them, ask them about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's That's true. <laughs>
0: You also mentioned that Vector is more interested in the value and culture of its human resources rather than experience in supply chain distribution when people are applying for jobs. So let's talk a little bit about that, because we see this great resignation. And what it's really about is that people are kind of fed up with toxic workplaces. So how much of that relates to the shipping industries and supply chain constraints? Because we know that there are other things that go into it, but Human resources is is a huge issue if you can't get anybody to drive the trucks. So how, I mean, do companies not look in the mirror? <laughs>
1: I I guess. I, so yes, so at the end of the day, it's something that baffles me too, right? Because it's something that in, I think if you were to ask the same question to everyone out there, if you just went into a street and just ask, people would agree with you, right? But well, when it comes to actually putting their money where their mouth is, for some reason people start to think that profits are more important or this is more important than that. And so I feel like everyone would agree from like a very theoretical standpoint that human beings and the well-being of the employees are the number one. Party. But then the leaders of those companies, either because of what the way they are raised or because of the pressure that they they get from their board of directors or their shareholders or stakeholders they don't make the right decisions. I think that's something that that Vector has very clear, and it has had it very clear since we started the company, right? For us, our main priority is our team. And that's why we have an incredible team, and that's what we're able to do the things we do, and that's where we're able to work for the automotive industry and aerospace industry, because we have fully committed, fully passionate, and fully engaged people. And honestly, I'm I'm just super thankful that I, they let me be part of the team. I mean, they're just way smarter, hardworking, committed and, and, and experienced than I am. So I, I'm, just, I'm just happy that I'm, they make, yeah, they haven't kicked me out.
0: <laughs> so and getting back to Vector's philanthropic ventures, logistics with purpose. What is that?
1: Logistics with purpose is basically what we are, why we do what we do. And for us, it was very important since the beginning that people out there understand why we do it. right? And I think that's important not only to our employees, but it's also very important for our suppliers and for clients and for everyone that's out there. So uh, logistics with purpose is just like the... The way that we ended up summarizing why we do what we do why we wake up every morning and work as hard as we do why are we so committed to delivering a piece of equipment here or there why are we so committed to delivering that container into a remote location in africa so that the kids can have books or or so that we work again with a lot of automotive companies like nemec and brembo and ford and daimler and for us it's just very personal because that's who we are and why we do it so Logistics with Purpose was just the the way of kind of um, summarizing that sentiment.
0: It's a great title.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> so what does the future hold for logistics and supply chain management? And how do companies need to reevaluate their processes?
1: So, again, that's a question that could take us probably a couple hours to answer. But I think because <laughs> everything has been reshuffled, right? So... Mm-hmm. Before a lot of the companies were rushing towards non, I guess, just in time inventory management and, and reducing the lead times and manufacturing as cheaply as possible, regardless of where it was. And all that after the pandemic has actually been questioned. And and so companies now are investing a lot in, in technology. I think it's one of the bigger big pillars. They want to continue tracking and tracing and forecasting demand more accurately. In, incorporating some of the things that we saw for example well what if there was a pandemic and 80% of our manufacturing is done in China and the pandemic was in China then before you didn't even thought about those things because no one no one was ready for that in the similar ways i think it's it's all about self-driven trucks in the US that's definitely going to help out automating ports that's definitely going to help out now a union and work and port workers have been amazing right I, Say this over and over. I mean, they are uh, some of the unsung heroes of the pandemic. Uh, Dock workers mm-hmm. have my full admiration, my company's full admiration, because just like uh, delivery drivers and truck drivers and drayage workers and warehouse workers, they kept the world turning. And of course, nurses and doctors and all those other essential workers. Again, I. Yes, I applaud all of them. But but I think when it comes to logistics, not everyone gave the recognition they deserve to, to all those men and women that were kind of literally risking their lives, trying to unload containers as they were piling up. I mean, there were a hundred vessels parked outside Long Beach waiting to be loaded and a handful of people trying to, to deal with that. And sometimes even struck by coronavirus, some of them. So, so I think that's going to change too, as well. The way we treat our, hopefully, this is something that's more my personal, I guess, thoughts. Hopefully, we will change the way we treat and compensate people in general. Because investing in good people is always a a positive return.
0: And you're right. Because until we get into that as a habit, we'll always have shortages, I think. I don't see... I don't see how it's going to fix itself until it's that. Like,
1: and maybe this is opening a door, but it's like the teachers, right? Uh, teachers are incredible. Why don't we pay teachers more? I, d- I don't understand.
0: And look how many are leaving the profession.
1: And, and they are the, in the future. Healthcare. They hold the future of our countries in their hands, and yet we treat them like they're not important. So it's just I don't know. There's tons of things that we need to change. And answering your question, I think some of the things that will hopefully start to to change after the pandemic are this kind of conversations why why are we so short-sighted
0: yeah and get companies to look at them here
1: <laughs> yeah well and, and honestly uh, they don't have a lot of time i think new generations yeah my kids and, and and i think their kids they're going to make much smarter decisions and i think they already are doing them in terms of like who to buy products from and if you are not a caring committed sustainable company they're you're just going to go under so yeah. i I'm hopeful either way, you either change or you're gonna go under.
0: Yeah, you do see that happening. You do see that a lot because what a company does philanthropically does play into how people will support it.
1: I agree. And it doesn't necessarily have to be philanthropically cause I'm not yeah. a hundred, I don't necessarily like the term. It's like, that is the smartest business decision and you can be as capitalist as you want. The right decision is to to care about the environment. It's to care about the people that work for you. It's to really care about others in the community. So I I think that it's stopped being something that companies did and they have like a social responsibility program here or there. I mean, if it's not core to them and if it's not really in their DNA, they're just not going to be able to fake it anymore. People understand whether it's part of the way you make decisions inside the company or whether you're just doing it because it's good marketing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for Vector?
1: Well, we're growing fast. We we are trying to expand internationally, maybe opening another office in another country, and just really continue to keep focusing on the companies they we want to work with. And uh, we're good thing is, I mean, we've been in business for over ten years now. We have gone to a place that it's very good because we can start being more selective. Before, I mean, any business owner would know it that you can you need any business, you'll take anything, right? But now we're like, well, we don't want to work with everyone. We don't need to work with everyone. So let's just continue down our path in terms of growing the culture and our values. And I'm excited because of this, because the more you work with like-minded individuals, the better relationships you have, the more fun your job is. And I think the more rapidly you can grow the company too. So,
0: well, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Debbie, thank you. Thank you to you and your audience. Thank you so much. This was very enjoyable. And yeah, thanks for having me.